I am so excited to welcome today's guest to the Rise podcast because he is amazing. You are going to love him. And he's also one of our dear, dear friends. If you are not already familiar with Trent Shelton, if you're not one of the 10 million people who follow him on social and get inspired and pumped up by him on a daily basis, this is about to light your heart on fire. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. So it's important to start with the fact that we're doing this interview in a Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, this is, this is super dope. <laughs> Best studio ever, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was laughing with Dave when we walked in about um, uh, the last hotel we were all at together and the hotel we're at <laughs> yeah. now are very different Major places. <laughs> uh, so I'm sitting here with my friend Trent Shelton. It is the night before we are uh, going to run a half marathon because yeah. uh, friends who you know do hard things together stay together. Uh, but you have a book coming out in one second. Yeah. And I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for this message that is already spreading in such a massive way on social to uh, take on a bigger scale and get into more hands and get into more hearts. So I want to dig into the book. But first, if people aren't already familiar with you, right. will you take us through like where you come from? Like what's the journey? Got you. Well, um, grew up in New Orleans um, for a large portion of my life, about seventh grade, moved to Fort Worth, Texas. So I guess you can say that's where my adult childhood started. Uh, the youngest of two brothers, uh, parents both in the household my whole entire life. So I had a great example of a mom and a dad. Um, at five years old, though, that's when I started playing football. You know, I mean, having two other brothers is like no other choice. If they're in sports, you know, it's just like that's what I'm going to do with my life. So play football, basketball, baseball, track. Uh, throughout my whole entire life, got a scholarship to play at Baylor, um, went to Baylor, and I had a good career. You know, it wasn't a career that I feel like, I mean, I got honored as a Baylor legend, so I guess it was a great career, but still feel like it could have been better. Um, I feel like, I know it was weird because I always felt like I was kind of an underdog still in that moment, even though I was shining. And wasn't that, wasn't that a part of your story? Was that a teacher had told you? Yeah. Like the chances of this are like, no. Yeah, the, the chances, I mean, a lot of teachers say that to kids. It's like the chances are like 0.001% of someone making it to the NFL, and it's true, but I just feel like, you know, if somebody really has their heart set on it, you tell them, like, it's a small chance, but you can make it. And so every time, you know, I can name probably 10 times what, and out throughout my life where a coach or a parent or a friend told me, you're crazy. It only happens to a certain type of people. And I felt like that certain type of people, person was me, you know, and I believe that. Um, I had great examples, too, because even growing up in New Orleans, I stayed across the street from a Saints player. And... I got to see him running the streets. His son, actually, Geno Atkins, is a is a pro bowler now. I got to babysit him, but I got <laughs> it's crazy how it works. But I got to see him running the street, and it made it tangible for me. I got to see like a regular human being because as a kid, you know, you think these guys are superheroes. Like, but I got to see like, oh, this is how he works, and I can actually do this. And my uncle, he's been coaching the NFL for thirty plus years, so 
I got to get that counsel from him and I got to see Jerry Rice and all these guys at a young age. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. So that planted that seed that it was possible and that's all that I needed. And so from Baylor, um, I was supposed to get drafted fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, something like that. It didn't happen. And so I'm like watching the draft and, you know, I guess to put it into terms where everybody can understand, it's like, just imagine you're waiting for that big call, right? Maybe it's a job interview and you're just for sure that they're going to call you, but they never do. And I had to put on a poker face. My mom asked me, am I okay? And I'm saying, yeah, people are texting me and I'm just masking the pain. And I get a call right after the draft. You're a high priority free agent, which I was. Your phone starts ringing off the hook. So the Colts, um, that was one of the teams and they just won a Super Bowl. And Coach Dungy was a good friend of my uncle. And he's like, hey, he's a great guy. Go there. He's going to give you a fair shake. You know, he's not going to, you're not going to make him because you're my nephew, but he's going to give you a fair chance. So I go there and I perform great. I mean, I had the best preseason, definitely out of all the rookies, um, probably, I want to say top in the NFL. And it was just crazy because the third preseason game is when they usually play the starters for the first half, but the second half, they play the guys who they plan on making the team. They didn't play me at all. And so I'm like, this isn't right. Like, if they're not going to play me, they must be about to cut me. So I asked one of the veteran guys, he said, no, they're trying to hide you because they, they plan on cutting you and signing you to the practice squad, but they don't want you to keep getting these stats because another team, once they cut you, will pick you off of waivers and sign you. Wow. Yeah, so they put me in the back, and that's what happened. I got cut. They signed me to the practice squad, and so what did I do? Because I thought this was success. I bought a car. I bought a chain. <laughs> I got a house to live in and everything. And Wait, two- so because uh, this is the fun thing about interviewing me. Yeah. I don't know sports at all. Right. So when you say you're the practice squad, that means that you're you're the one helping the players practice? Yeah, so you're you're on the team. Yeah. You can get activated anytime. Okay. The, the possibility of you getting activated is very high because injuries happen. You just don't suit up for the game. So God, is it kind of like mine, the minors in baseball? Kind of, okay. but you're more... You know, you're there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You're actually okay. on the team. And okay. um, I mean, you probably make about $90,000 a year. Yeah, just but practicing. you're like, I'm rich. Yeah, I'm exactly. Rich. At that it's point, I'm out of college. Money. I'm like, yeah. 90 grand? Like, yeah, yeah you know, I made me. it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I get caught up in the lifestyle. And, you know, I'm around celebrities that I saw on TV. And I'm bumping elbows with people. And I get caught up in that lifestyle. And I got cut, you know, two weeks there. And so I'm like, what do I do? Luckily, uh, my friend that uh, I knew him in college, we were roommates. And so he said, I'll take over the, the rent, don't worry about it. I drive back to Texas, I'm there for a week. I keep myself inside my room because you gotta realize it's September. And if I'm out in the streets in September, yeah. people know that I'm cut. Yeah. So I shelter myself wow. in my mom's house because I didn't want to deal with people. And that was the first time where I felt like I was really running from my battle and not facing my reality. They call me back a week later, and that's my whole story in the NFL. I mean, I got cut seven, eight times back and forth, uh, three different teams, three different cities, unstable, not knowing, like, it's kind of like, we call it Terrible Tuesday. Terrible Tuesday is when they have waivers and when you get cut. So mm-hmm. every Tuesday, every practice, I'm nervous because I don't know if they're going to call and say, hey, bring your playbook and you're going home. So like any mistake, talk about pressure, any mistake, you could be gone. Wow. So it was really tough. Well, and I, I think um, for for athletes or um gosh, like dancers or anybody where you're, you're being judged literally on who you are. Yeah. Like you're, I imagine you're giving your heart, you're doing everything you can. There's so much pressure. There's all of these things. And then it's not just cutting like, 
I don't know, if you, let's say we're an actor and you auditioned for something, they didn't like your acting style, but if you get cut for this, it's like, is there some sort of like, you're not good enough? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. That's what I felt like. That was my first feeling of not being good enough. And so what did I do? I masked my pain with things that I shouldn't have masked it with to cover up that because I didn't want to look in the mirror. And of course I was great enough, but you know, I was just like, dang. And I got angry in my faith. I'm like, man, what? I could have just been something else. Like yeah. I didn't want to get this far. And like, what do I do in my life? Because a lot of people don't understand that, you know, even in college, it's a student athlete. That's a false. Yeah. It's athlete. I mean, yeah. you can't even work an internship. You can't have a job. They don't prepare you, at least when I was there, they don't prepare you for life after sports. So I've never had a job wow. in my life. Oh, gosh, I've never thought about that before. Never had You're a job like, in my this life. This is what you do. This Your job it. is to kill exactly. at this one thing. <laughs> exactly. Because were you on scholarship, too? Yep. So then it's like, you want to stay in this school, you're going to perform in this way. Yeah, they would laugh at you. If you say, hey, I want to, uh, you know, uh, go work a job, they would laugh at you. So wow. that's the whole thing about, you know, athletes getting paid in college, which I think they should because you're you getting your, your check else. is your check is $250 a month. Wow. Of course, they pay for your meals, but that's it. That's yeah. all we lived off of. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm curious because is, is Baylor? Baylor's here. Yeah. Waco. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we're in Waco because we're, we're running this half marathon, the three of us. Dave's here, too. It's weird if it sounds like Trent and I are just like running yeah. a marathon <laughs> together. Um, but is it, it does it feel weird to come back here or does it feel good or? It feels what good. I actually drove around earlier. Um, Waco has definitely changed oh my gosh, uh, big time. Right? Yeah. I mean, it just definitely grew. Um, the stadium I played in is no longer here. But it just, it, it's it's a, to me, it's a growth moment. Anytime I come to a city that I've been, New York is one of those cities that I go there. And I'm just like, man, like, look how much my life has changed and yeah. grew. And I appreciate it now, you know. But it definitely was some memories here and uh, some struggles here, too. Yeah, for real. Um, so you you go through this experience. Yeah. When did you get, like, what was this catalyst? Tell the story of, like, how you get to who you are today. Yeah. Because people who know who you are already are like, oh, wow, like, getting to hear that. But there are people listening who don't understand. So tell the story about, like, what comes next. You get cut. You don't know what to do. Yeah, do so do? my my third time getting cut, so my third team, so I'm with the Redskins. And in this process, uh, I get Maria pregnant. That's when I was in Indianapolis in 2007. She gets pregnant. Uh, Tristan is born in 2008. Um, I'm in, I'm with the Seahawks at that moment. And just to be totally transparent, uh, you know, we weren't together. Um, and so I was looking not at Tristan, but at the situation as a disappointment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a pastor's son. Like, it's not supposed to happen like mm -hmm. this. You know, me and Maria, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other like that. Yeah. And so I'm like, man. But fast forward, I realized that that disappointment was my greatest rescue because Tristan was the first time in my life where I felt like, something other than my life really mattered, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody's going to follow my footsteps. Somebody's going to pay for the decisions I make or reap the benefits of the decisions I make. So the first thing I told my son was like, I don't want you to grow up to be like me. Mm. You know, of course he's a baby. He can't talk back, <laughs> but that hurt me to the core. So that made me start thinking like, okay, as a man, what does, what does that greatest you look like? Like, what do you want to leave for Tristan? He's going to follow your footsteps. You know, his parents... Listen to what I say. Don't do as I do. And that's totally false, right? Mm -hmm. Kids are watching what you do. So that was the big thing for me as far as the road to change, the start. The second thing that happened that really started rehab time was my co college roommate committing suicide. Yeah. And so one of my best friends, um, you know, going to his service and realizing that, like, life is short. Mm -hmm. And 
when I left his service, I haven't even really talked about this because people might think it's weird, but I went to a cemetery mm -hmm. and I walked around mm -hmm. and I looked at tombstones and I realized that death has no preference. Mm. You see ages, you see, you know, different races, different yeah. people. And I'm just like, I don't want to come here with an incomplete life. Woo! Yes. You know? Yeah. It's and like so we were at that same, you were at the thing with, um, oh, who's the guy that we all got to see together? Um, Gotta be hungry. Oh, Les Brown. Les Brown. Yeah. And Les Brown talks about this, that yeah. real estate, <clears throat> the most expensive real estate in the world the is the cemetery yeah. because everybody dies with the dream, those business plans they could have had, those books they could have written. There's so much dreams dead in the ground with them because they never tried. Yeah. Wow, that's good. And that woke me up. Yeah. And it was 2009 um, when I, I wish I could tell a cool story of how this moment happened, but it wasn't. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> just being honest. Like yeah. I was... In my mom's, I was in my mom's house in my room and I was looking around. I was looking around all my football pictures of Tristan's around the room and I'm just like, it's rehab time. And I didn't know what rehab time was. For me, rehab meant putting a strength back into a weakness. Mm. I said, when you're hurting sports or you're getting a car wreck, you go to rehab. Rehab sucks, but if you do rehab right, you'll come back stronger than what you were. So I said, it's rehab time, mind, body, and soul. The first thing was fitness for me because I knew mm -hmm. I really could control that. I hated to read books. I said, I'm going to pick up a book. <laughs> said the guy who yeah, writes exactly. books. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's crazy how life works. Isn't it? I was just talking about this the other day. I was like, I would never pick up a book. Like, it's crazy. Even in personal development, like, it wasn't really because you were like, who do you look up to? I was like, well, I have people now, but growing up, it was like rappers, you yeah. know, like, just being honest, like yeah. Jay-Z, Master P, like, that's who I looked up to. So. Um, and it's funny because my, I went in my room and one of the first books I had was from Master P. Like, it was just super <laughs> funny. But um, so that happened and I started going to the gym, um, started reading, started getting to my word more. And over time, I started to share this journey, right, with people. I was living rehabish. I'll be honest, I was one foot in, one foot out, mm -hmm. trying to figure out my way in this process. And as I started to share my journey, people started to catch on. People started to see it. People started to respond. And the fast forward, maybe, you know, two, three years later, I uh, had my very first speaking engagement. Not very first, but major speaking engagement. Didn't want to do it. I'm still trying to play arena football. Uh, my mom didn't want me to go to New Orleans because she has her thing about New Orleans. But I was like, <laughs> I'm going to, with the voodoo. And I, I begged the coach to let me come Saturday. I was supposed to come Friday. I said, I got a speaking engagement. Just let me do it. Didn't want to do the speaking engagement. My friend talks me into it. Make a long story short. Get on stage. Five minutes seemed like five hours. And in that moment, 5,000 kids, by the way. So kids are a whole nother story talking to. <laughs> it's Get the hardest, hardest, the hardest crowd you I tell every talk. speaker, yep. like, go in front of kids. Yep. You, <laughs> you, can, some, you can survive, yeah. then you're ready for the big Exactly. Stage. So um, I do that. And at that moment on stage, even though I was fearful, I forgot everything I prepared. And I say, you know what? You can sink or you can swim. And I was just like, man, God, use me. And I got off stage. All these kids start running up to me, asking me questions about life. I'm like... I don't really know. Yeah. You know. I'm here inspiring myself, yeah. too. And so at that moment, I quit football. Mm. And people are like, well, it's not a big deal. It was because like that was my identity. Yep. That was how I paid my bills, yep. even though it wasn't much at the time. That was everything to yeah. me. And so I let go of it. you knew. Yeah. And rehab time wasn't what it was. Like yeah. I might have had a few hundred views on videos, a few hundred followers just yeah. from football. Yeah. And I let go and I walked into it. And I kid you not, Rach, like three to four, five months later, Videos I started to make started to go viral. Yep. And started to grow. Yep. And I that's swear, when it it's like when you call the shot, like when you say to God, the universe, whatever, like, okay, I'm doing this thing, it is 
insane to me how quickly it rises up to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like now stewarding that and making that something bigger and continuing to grow that thing. That's a whole other, you know, thing to deal and manage right. with manage. But just that, like pronounce it, just calling your shot, just saying it out loud, just like, OK, this is what I'm doing. So how long ago was that? That was so that stage was probably 20. 11. So yeah. I started rehab time like officially, like me in my mom's room in 2009. So yeah. 2011 is okay. when I let go of football. Yeah. So it's been a decade. Yeah. I've been yeah. doing this for a decade. Yeah. 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 And here we are. <laughs> and a right? lot of people don't know that. Like, that, it's right. so funny. They're like, oh, the overnight <laughs> success. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, no, I've been at this for a while. So I've been yeah. posting like old stuff just to show people. Like, I'm literally, I don't know, like, I post on Instagram, I was in a closet like making videos with clothes in the background. Yes, he was like, yeah. my dreads are like right here. <laughs> like I've been doing this, you know, yeah, for a long time and yeah. figuring it out and doing the work. That's right. And so now you get to this place, like just give them, if, if they're not familiar with you, give them an idea of your social following. So they understand. Yeah. So we're at about 10 million on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, I mean the video views cause I, of the community that I have with rehabbers are at, you know, our last bit is at 115 million views yeah, on there. Your views are crazy. Um, Instagram about a million. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Thanks to yeah, my no community. Big deal. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so talk a little bit about. Uh, I know you talked about rehab time, but yeah. some of the philosophies that you have for life that that play out in the new book, yeah. and that you really wanted people to to latch onto. And so I have this thing called the rehab process. Um, it's simple. I'm pretty sure a lot of people priority do this, but I just put it in a framework. And so when I thought about rehab, a lot of people don't know the, the acronym. It's renewing every hardened body. That's what I told myself, right? Renewing every hardened body. And it's time to do that. So that's what rehab time stands for. The rehab process is made up of three R's. And this is a process that I feel like you have to do almost daily, weekly, monthly. It's not a one and done type of thing. The first R is reality, right? It's facing your reality, whatever that may be. Right. It's facing that fear. It's facing that situation where this is over like me letting go of football. You'll never win your war by running from your battles. Ooh, I love yes. to tell people that because a lot of people are trying to win this war without facing it. You won't you will never fix what you're not willing to face. Absolutely. And I get it. It's scary. It's hard. But in order to get to the other side, you have to walk through that door. And so um, reality is that first thing. The second thing is release. And people say, don't burn bridges. There are bridges you shouldn't burn for sure over little things. Don't burn bridges. But there are bridges in your life that need to be burned because there's certain things that your life cannot afford to go back to. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, what are those yeah. bridges of destruction? It's not always people. I know we always go to people, but maybe it's your habits. Maybe it's your mindset. Maybe it's your past. And as long as you keep that bridge, like I want to tell people this. I'm not saying you're not strong because I think everybody is, but you're not strong enough to stay in an environment that you know um, doesn't serve you. Yeah. The temptation yeah. is too strong. Yeah, because the trigger is not going to go away. Exactly. That's what I try and talk about all the time. You can't change the trigger. If you're doing something, let's say, coping in a way that's unhealthy, let's say you're drinking too much, you're using, you're, you know, whatever. Um, the, the stress, the anxiety, the thing that set you off, that's not going to magically get out of your life. So I don't think you can change the trigger. You can change the activity. Exactly. You can change how you manage it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, and that's what... You know, that's about getting people to step up and face it and just say, hey, you know what? I don't even understand. Even with closure. You know, I tell people all the time, like, closure is something like, just just know that you deserve better. Yeah. That could be your closure. Just yeah. move on yeah. with your life. That could yeah. be your closure. Because you could be waiting on something that will never happen. Ever. Yes, right? Yeah. So reality and then release is burning those bridges so you can build the bridges in your life that need to be built. Mm -hmm. So 
what's that environment that you're in? Does that environment grow you? I always say it's like having a beautiful flower, right? You take the most beautiful flower in the world that has the potential to be that. You put that flower in the wrong environment, that flower is not going to grow. Yeah. I don't care how much potential that flower has. And a lot of us, we're that flower. We have all the potential in the world. We're just in the wrong environment. Yeah. And the last part is repair. Repair is the hard part, but it's about getting down to the root issues in your life. So many people want surface level solutions, right? It's like, give me a quick fix. You know, tell me to leave this situation, but say a relationship. Somebody gets out of a bad relationship, but then they get into another relationship that's bad. So my question is, yeah, I can tell you, hey, remove yourself from the pain, but why do you keep putting yourself in the pain? Yeah, right? you're the only thing that hasn't changed. Like it, It's like people forget, like you're the variable. It's all these different partners and you've had the same kind of problem with each one. It wasn't them. Exactly. It was you exactly. because you chose to keep putting yourself in that situation for whatever whatever the reason is. And a lot of times that reason is that seed. Maybe yeah. it's how you saw your parents yeah. or maybe it's a bad relationship at first. So I'm really big on removing those bad seeds, digging up those bad seeds and replacing new seeds in, in that place. Mm -hmm. Right. A new lifestyle, a new habit, whatever it may be. And that's the rehab process. That's the process that I always coach from, teach from, from even people who don't know it. And I do that with my life every single day. And it's interesting. Um, you know, we're friends, so I get to know you on a different level than maybe other people. But you yeah. have, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but you, it feels like you have attracted a large audience of people that are struggling with relationships with others. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, for sure. How did was that something intentional or was that something that just you saw that need in your community and you started speaking into it? Yeah, it definitely wasn't intentional. You know, it's it's crazy because certain videos I'm not even really talking about intimate relationships. Yeah, but they see that anyway. Yeah, yeah. so they take it. I think I'm very broad in my approach and I'm always like whatever people need it for. So I'll have people say, "Oh, I deserve better." when it comes to not doing a certain drug in my life, yeah. like my relationship was football. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. my like yeah. everything. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of relationship issues with people in this world are going through relationship mm -hmm. problems. And most people take it for that for sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting too, for those people who are listening, who are business owners or influencers, I try and say this all the time. Like, our business is guided by our community. Oh, yes. They tell us what they want and like your people tell you what they want and then you're serving the need that they've asked you for. But I feel like so many people get into this, into any kind of business and then get really precious about like, no, this is the thing I do. Yeah. <laughs> and if I had been like, this is the thing I do, or if you had been like, oh, I only do, we wouldn't have the careers that we have today. That is, oh man, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, community is everything. Yeah. The video that is went crazy. Um, everybody isn't your friend. That's my biggest video that I released probably a month ago, 115, 120 million views. Really? I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Everybody is with me talking to Annie uh, at yeah. the table, but yeah. 120 million, million views and we released it last month. Yeah. And it was just about like, just, so, yeah. So, yeah and it was things. So basically every, every video that she's in, obviously it's not like a real time conversation. It's your sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah. But it's things that she's going through or went through. So yeah. it's very real. And we forgot to say too, I just remembered. So earlier you were talking about Maria and Tristan. That is Trent's wife, wife yeah, and his yeah. son. We forgot we to wrap that up. <laughs> yeah. We forgot to wrap that up. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is your sister-in-law. So you're talking to her in the video and you're saying Yeah. What? It's about just, you know, everybody isn't your friend, you know, uh, basically everybody in your corner, I mean, everybody in your circle might not be in your corner type of vibe. Mm. You know, sometimes you have to, 
you know, let people go. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It's just that they don't serve your life yeah. and maybe, you know, you don't serve them. Yeah. So that was you. the gist of it. But the crazy thing about it. So I was like, man, what do I title this video? Because I know titles are big as far as getting people to stop and getting people's attention in the social media world. And we were thinking about it as a team. And I said, you know what? Why are we doing all this hard work? Let's just ask my Facebook group. It's like 100,000 yeah. people in there. Yeah. So we give them options. And the, the title I wanted was, I uh, think like some people just wanted something like that. Yeah. We put five titles in. The title I wanted was last. Wow. Yeah. They picked everybody isn't yeah. your friend overwhelmingly. Yep. We put it on there. Yep. And it worked. Yeah. And I'll tell you, we've learned this so many times the hard way. My aesthetic, like the design, the, the things I like are not what my community likes at all. <laughs> yeah. And if we leave it to like what I want, uh, we're not going to sell a journal ever again, forever and ever. Like it's just not, in fact, every time we, so we've done three rounds of journals. So nine covers every single time. The cover I think is the strongest is always yeah, the right. weakest. That's how it works. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And that's so smart though. It was just like pulling them and asking them what, and yeah, they were it just right. makes it easy. Yeah. And then they're also, they're bought in. They they're invested the like they've and go. they are because we would they not are. be where we where we are today without this community supporting us and like telling people and sharing the videos and doing the thing are they so are they just dying excited about this book oh they're super I excited they, they named the book yeah oh did they, they really? name the book That's i gave so i gave all these options and one was like the rehab process yeah and all these things they named the book they're super excited yeah. i mean they're going hard yeah. for it i mean because they the whole thing like that i think that's one of the we'll call it genius but the things that I did that was really, uh, really worked for me at the beginning was I always say I turned uh, numbers into a name. Mm. And what I mean by that, I gave them a place to feel a part of because everybody wants to feel a part of something. So I start calling them rehabbers. Yeah. I say, hey, rehabbers across the world. Yeah. Now, at first, like rehabbers is corny, but I was yeah. like, well, it's pretty yeah. cool. Somebody rehabs their life. Yeah. And so now they feel a part of this. So it's not about, oh, Trent is successful. Yeah. No, it's like we are. We did this. Yeah. yeah. The thing, you know, girls, your face last year, I always remind people of this. Like it launched and it did okay. It, it did okay. It didn't make the New York Times list for 11 weeks. Really? Like, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it launched like fine. Not like where the publisher was like, okay. Yeah. Like they didn't, <laughs> they didn't yeah. say, but you could tell. And then every week, it would sell a little bit more and a little bit. And that's not me. And that's not the publisher. That is 100% the community obsessively going, we're making this a bestseller. That's they dope. like held it up. They told their friends. They got on social media. Like our success as a company is because of this community. We try and do smart things. and We work really hard. But like this is, if you take care of your customers, if you take care of your clients, if you take care of those people, they will take care of you. And, and part of it too is I think... Um, you do this, we do that. Like we're constantly creating so much content to serve these people yeah. and asking nothing in return. Big time. It's like, give, give, give. Here's all these things. Oh, you want a video about that? You want to hear about this? And then when you do have something like a book, they're like, they're let us show up for you. Yeah, they've let been asking up. for it for, I mean, yeah. the reason I wrote it was yeah. for them. They've been yeah. asking for it for three years. Yeah. Like Trent, we want a book. And they were totally. like very impatient. Like yeah. we want one. So yeah. I'm like, okay, let me do this for yeah. you guys. And I put a lot of, it's like 12 rehabber stories in there. Of course, yeah. we change the names. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Give value to them as much as you can. It's like, that's the thing that in this industry or just in business in general, I think a lot of people don't realize it's like you will win, you know, when you operate from a place of just giving value mm -hmm. without any intentions behind it. Yeah. Because people will definitely show up for you when it's time to. Yeah. So tell us about, tell us about the book. Tell us about what's in it and what to expect. The main point of this book is to help people turn their pain into their power. 
right? It takes them on the journey. Um, that rehab process I talked about is broken up in three sections, right? So it's reality, release, repair. Um, and each chapter, it's a little bit about my story. I didn't want to make it all about my story. Smart. But um, my story is in there. But I'm really challenging people to actually, you know, do the things that I'm talking about. Yeah. So one chapter is protecting your peace, how yeah. big I am on that on hiking and getting away. And so it's not like a a book that it's a I feel like the book is like me to the fullest because it bounces around so much. It's like a holistic approach mm-hmm. in being the greatest you. Yeah. So it's not just like one theme uh, throughout the whole book. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I think is really interesting about our friendship is that you and I, I feel like have become friends because we've spoken on so many stages together in the last year. And we have spoken on so many stages, frankly, because, well, let me say it like this. You're an African-American man. Yeah. I'm a woman. Yeah. And everyone else on the stage is an older white man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) So we have been, I I think, like, oftentimes, even when I'm not with you, I'm like, yep, I'm, I see you guys checking that box. Like, I'm, I know why I'm here. Yeah. You know, like, I know why this conference wanted me to be here. And what, what, like, I, I, the first time I heard you speak, I just died. And I'm so freaking excited. Like, you just will be at every Rise conference for the rest of time. So if y'all are coming <laughs> to Rise, you're going to get your hearts, like, lit on fire. But you're just such a talented speaker. Thank you. But what I love is that, like... I, I don't, do you feel like that? Do you feel like, oh, yeah. oh I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like, oh, we know why you got us here. Yeah. Now watch us own this stage. Yeah. And we do like, be like, I, and that sounds obnoxious, but seriously, we, we're like something else. We got all the people in the suits and then there's, there's us. Trent <laughs> there's in us. Sweats <laughs> and me with my Beyonce yep. dancing around on stage and they don't even know what to do with us. I think that's also why I, identify with you so much too is you're doing it as yourself yeah you're not doing it like anybody else and and it's i think when i first i don't know if you did this when i first got into speaking i tried to do it like other people like i wore the dumb suit sorry i shouldn't say dumb if you do if you like a suit yeah, you do that. You, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah yeah you go <laughs> i hate it though i feel so uncomfortable and i don't i don't feel like i can speak properly because i'm uncomfortable in my clothes yeah um so i i was so awkward until i just you know, put on my sneakers and my jeans and I was able to do it as myself. And then I felt like that's when I got the connection with the crowd. Is that your experience too? hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I used to have it where, of course I come there prepared. I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I know where to go, but I would have like notes written out and everything. And it just, that wasn't me. You know, the whole process of like, talk about your, like, it just wasn't me. And when I was decided to be like, I'm just going to be myself and go free and not try to be perfect and focus on just serving people, mm-hmm. you know, um, one of the things that I realized a lot, like even when I'm nervous or backstage, when I'm not myself, I realize I'm being selfish. Like I'm thinking about yes, myself. Yes. Yeah. Behind look yeah. and everything. Yeah. Nerves are a selfish emotion. Exactly. Oprah. So I said, man, let me just focus on being on serving, yeah. being who I am. And yep. whether people, which I know they do, like judge me or not, because do I have time to tell a quick little yeah. story oh about my that? God, you okay, could, cool. We're here all day. After this, we're going to get our car blowed on. For sure. <laughs> so um I was, it was one of my first speaking engagements. Uh, my brother, he's a coach, so he had a connection. It was out in Whitney, which is not too far from here, uh, ISD. And I go there, I speak for free. I reach out to the coach. I'm like, hey, as a speaker, y'all should listen to this too, because I'm like, hey, like, bring me in. Like, I'm just trying to speak as much as I can, because I just know if I get in front of people, 
then the other opportunities will come. Absolutely. So I get there and I sit down, you know, I'm wearing, of course I have tattoo sleeves. I'm wearing a, my hat backwards. I have like just, you know, a shirt and some jeans, some Jordans on. I sit at the little VIP table that's reserved and I sit down, this lady, I can just feel her like looking at me, mm-hmm. like just, just right here. Just don't pay no mind. I get up, I speak, tear it down. I sit back down and she taps me. She says, I have to apologize. She said, I like prejudged you. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, once you got up to speak, I'm like, oh, he's the speaker. And she's like, I've never been impacted like that in my mm. life. And so I promised myself from here on out that I'm going to break any stereotype. Wow. And I'm going to be myself on stage. So nobody could ever say, oh, just because you, it's not be, even not being black, but just because yeah. you have tattoos or you look a certain way. Yeah. Or like you said, as a woman, like yeah. I'm going to make sure that I break the stereotypes so you never judge anybody again. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, that might have gotten me on this stage, but it's not what's going to make me. Exactly. Get on the next one. Exactly. Um, w- tell me about that journey as a speaker. I love that you said this because I get asked this all the time. People who want, hey, I want to do you know, public speaking, professional yeah. speaking. I'm sure you get it too. And they're like, how did you get there? And my answer, I know this is your answer. This is Tom Billu's answer. You speak anywhere they will let you. And I love it. You said it too. You speak for free. Big time. And not only do you speak for free, but like when you drove to that place, you paid for your own gas money. You bought your own lunch. Like you, a lot of times when you're starting out and you not only are you doing it for free, but you have to spend some of your own money to make it happen. Because that's how how you're going to learn. And le- so tell me, like, what was the process? I'm sure it's really similar to mine. Yeah. Like, you're speaking free, 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 free. And then finally you get, like, $100. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I'm doing was, it now. I was like, what? <laughs> I, you could have paid me $300 yeah, for 30 exactly minutes Exactly right. Oh, exactly easy, man. Like, I'm doing right. it. <laughs> so um, my process was, and my philosophy, this is what it was. Because I would reach out to people, and people wouldn't respond or bring me on. So I'm like, all right, cool. And so I was like, well, what can I control? Well, there's the internet. I can just start speaking on the internet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people weren't seeing me on stage, so they thought I was just, you know, an influencer guy just speaking. So uh, that's the, even a point to people now. Like, if you're just talking direct to camera, that's great. Yeah. But people do want to see you on stage. Yeah. Like, get that video to show Absolutely. people. Absolutely. So I said, okay, they want to see me on stage. So I just reached out to all my connections. I played sports. I knew uh, elementary school teachers. So I went to elementary school. I did dare. Like I'm doing rap. Just all the creative (laughs) stuff to keep these kids. And everything was for free. Yep. And it got to a point where every place that I went, and I just felt the confidence in me. Every place that I went, somebody in the audience came back and said, hey, can you speak at my school? Can we speak here? How much do you charge? Mm -hmm. And that was the magic where I'm like, well, you know, if it was an opportunity where, you know, I feel like it would just help me in the future, hey, don't worry about paying me. Yep. Let me just come in there. So high schools, uh, churches, elementary schools, anywhere, street corners, I didn't care. Yep. I wanted my voice to be heard. And part of that, too, which is so many people don't have this, is a willingness to suck. Like there a willingness <laughs> to be humble. A will. Go. It's like so many. It's like people. I, I did the podcast uh, this week on this topic. Is like people are, have this fear of failure. I'm like, you don't have a fear of failure. You have an ego problem. There You're afraid of them seeing you fail. Whereas I, like, I really never had. I don't know if you're different. Like, I never had that from my childhood. I, I, I think because I, I just thought that's how life was. I just thought like. Oh yeah, you you're life is hard 
and it's always going to be hard until you make it better. Yeah. So y- you got to be willing to fall. You've got to be willing to suck. You've got to be willing to stumble. It never occurred to me that there was another way. Like literally, it never. So, so many people now have this perception that you're supposed to try it and be perfect yeah. right out of the gate. What's comparison? I think especially with the social media world. Yeah. It's like they see everybody's now, right? Yes, yes. And it's like, oh, I'm yeah. not Rachel. I'm not Trent. Yeah. I'm not whoever. Yeah. And like you said, I had that same mentality. I think just being an athlete, because I know there's a process in anything you do as a sports player, right? You're yep. going to suck at something. Yep. As a receiver, I was terrible at first, and then I grew. When I got to the NFL, I was terrible, and then I grew. And so I just knew that if I just w- was consistent, committed, disciplined, and I just had that heart to always show up, mm-hmm. eventually I would find myself, I would find my voice. And it took it took a few years for me to actually to find that voice and that confidence, but you know, it was me showing up every single time, even when I was scared, even when I messed up. I mean, this happened maybe two years ago. I was on stage, Rachel, with two microphones. So I had my earpiece in. Uh-huh. And then so we had like, it might have been a growth summit, but they had a microphone roaming. And so I was like, hey, give me the mic back. And I'm standing here, sit on stage talking to two mics and everybody's laughing. It's like, what And you don't even know why. No, I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? And, and they start pointing. And I was like, oh, and the guy, the guy made a of the best comeback. I was like, thank you for saving my life. He's like, you're so powerful. You need two, two mics. <laughs> I was like, you're right. <laughs> but I'm willing to be embarrassed yeah. in everything. It doesn't phase me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think too, th- this is the challenge I think as a speaker, as, as a boss, as anybody, is what is it going to look like to level up? Yeah. When you're succeed now now we know what it looks like to level up when you're lower down. What I actually think is is really challenging today is you and I, Dave, he's sitting there working while we're we're doing this podcast. <laughs> we're we're at a level where we could just coast on into home. Yep. Like we could keep doing this. There's this huge speaker whose name I will not mention, but I just saw the other day doing a speech and killed it. But I saw that speech eight years ago. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Same thing. Same yeah. exact thing. And that person's making a lot of money and they'll be fine, but they're never going to grow. They're never going to, con- like, they're never going to be something more than that. I-, I think this about speeches today. Like, I could give the same talk every single time. You could give the yeah. same talk every single time. But purposely challenging, still, like, I, I, gave, a- I gave a talk yesterday that, was good, but wasn't great because I was trying new material. I really felt, really felt passionately for this crowd. I was supposed to say something specific. I don't know if you get that yeah. sort of like gut feeling. Um, and every, every crowd, doesn't matter who I'm speaking. I'm all, I am always in prayer beforehand. Like God, whatever you want me to say here, like give me the words. And then I'm like, Oh, I hope, okay. And it was, it was good, but it wasn't great. But 10 times from now, It'll be exceptional. But to whose standards, though? To yours? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah totally. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no, sure, I'm yeah, sure. no, exactly. Yeah, they didn't boo me off stage there. But I, I do. You're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. I do have really high standards for myself because I think this is a very... Um, I've never talked about this before, but this is a very unique job that you and I have. And I think it's a very important job in the same way that we're not preaching, right? but we kind of are in a different way and you have the ability to influence the lives of the people listening and so for me I think it's a really fine balance of most people want to be entertained when they're sitting in that audience and so there's a really um, careful balance between I'm going to entertain you and I'm going to make you laugh 
but I also have to challenge you. Yeah. If I'm doing my job, I have to challenge you in the comfortable place you find yourself in. And this is the third one. I've got to make sure that when you leave this room, you can retain the things I just taught you. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's that saying like people won't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. Well, I can make them feel good. But if they can't walk out of this room with like some tangible things that will help their daily lives, I don't feel like I've done a good job as a communicator. Yeah, the feelings are going to go away. Yeah, yeah, right? So um, it's just, a, it, it is, it's my own standard. But it's like that, how do you feel like at this place in your life, what does leveling up look like to you? Yes, yeah, that's a great question. When it comes to speaking, I feel like, you know, when you talked about you know, the person that had the same message. I feel like my message will always change because I'm always evolving. Yeah, totally. And I'm honest with that. Like, I'm right now, I'm just into talking about um, really connecting with yourself and your and your peace. Like, I'm big into that. I'm, I'm big into environment. So I wasn't talking about these things two, three years ago. And so I'm honest with that, and I don't fight that. Like, so when I get on stage, as you said, like, I'll try new stuff. And I'm like, dang, like, I should have did this or that. But the response that I get from people in the audience is that, man, I needed that message. Yeah, always. And that's always. what I care about. And yeah. then as far as what keeps me leveling up is I know there's hearts in the world that haven't heard my message that need yeah. to. So there's yeah. no way I can stop. There's no way I can, you know, get comfortable, kick my feet up because I didn't get in this industry. Um, it's funny even saying that word, but I didn't get into speaking or anything, you know, for the recognition, for the followers. Like, I didn't even want to be a speaker. So I like, didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah, me neither. Right? Me like neither. I knew I knew when I was younger about like Tony Robbins, but now we we run in a group of friends <laughs> yeah. that are all these like professional speakers. <laughs> and I really didn't even know that this was an industry. Me neither. Yeah. I just Cra yeah, me yeah, neither. I was just like, oh, it'd be cool to be on stage and talk to people. <laughs> that's what I thought. And so for me, like realizing like that's not it for me, um, I feel like I can never be satisfied. Um, in a positive way, mm -hmm. you know, I, I definitely want to appreciate the journey and not always just want more and more and more. It's, it's unhealthy, but I just know there's hearts in the world that need, you know, our messages that haven't heard it yet. So yeah. that keeps me going. Yeah. One of the things that, um, is I think interesting about the circle that we get to run in that would probably be compelling for the people listening is, uh, we get to be a part of a group of people who are really committed to, kind of like a mastermind. So yeah. like pouring into, it's a pretty diverse mix of peeps. Mm -hmm. In fact, you and Dave met each other for the first time yeah. at a mastermind in the mountains, bunch of dudes. Um, and then we had the opportunity to go to Puerto Rico. Right. Um, just like it was all the guys and then their spouses or girlfriends or whatever. So big mastermind. But even beyond that, I think it's just a group of people because we all tend to be at the same events yeah. that there's like every time, like we're backstage, we're talking about things like, how are you doing? Everything, health, fitness, right. community, business, all of the, so for people who are listening, who don't have that opportunity, you know, they don't get to go to right. Puerto Rico and like <laughs> hang out with Brendan Burchard. Um, what, what would you say to those people who are listening who they're like, God, I wish, I wish I could sit around and have friends like that. And so what, what's the advice that you would give them on how to create that in their own lives? Yeah, I would say, you know, the first, first of all, you can, um, it might not be your, you know, your mentor or the person you look up to, but you know, at, over time it could be that person. Mm -hmm. Literally, I'm meeting people that I thought I would never meet and get in those circles. I'm sure you, you're yeah, the same way. percent. But first I would tell you that you have to be a reflection of what you want. Mm. You have to. Um, I think some of us, we say we want to be 
in certain environments or around certain people, but we're not that person. So it first starts with yourself becoming that person. And then seek out those environments. Get around people who are at where you want to be. And the best way you can do this is to go serve. Yeah. Like, go serve. I've had people literally come up to me and say, Trent, um, reach out to me and say, hey, I can't afford to come to your event or this or that, but I just want to show up and serve. Yeah. And you're going to have a conversation with me. And yeah. We're going to talk. And now yeah. we've networked and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So go serve. Yeah. Put uh, yourself in a position. Yeah. There's a there's a gal um, that I just started working with who followed me on social, follows me on all the things. And she does gorgeous, probably listening. Uh, she does gorgeous <laughs> hand lettering. And when Girl Wash Your Face came out, she, I mean, she probably hand lettered like beautiful callig- calligraphy. Um, I don't know, 30 quotes from the book. They were so pretty. And she would always tag me and then I would always reshare them, you know, give her credit because they were so pretty and my community loved them. So since then, she, I mean, everything, the Start Today journal she does, when the movie came out, she was in it. She listens to podcasts, she does it all. And I kept seeing her work and she's so creative. So she's taking my words and she's adding like art and she's not asking for anything in return. And the other day I was just like, I got to reach out to her and see if I can hire her. Like, I just need to pay her to do these, you know, whatever things. And so I sent her a DM like, hey, girl, can I do you do freelance work? Can I hire you to do this stuff? And she lost her mind. (laughs) And she said and I didn't know. but She was like, Rachel, because, you know, we have a start today journal and we say you write down the dreams you're going to make come true. And her like number one dream, like since the fall was. I work with Rachel Hollis. I work with Rachel Hollis. I work with Rachel Hollis. And I didn't know. (laughs) That's amazing. And so what what is so bananas about that is that she, some people go, I want to work with Rachel Hollis or I want to work with Trent. And they'd be like, I'm going to weasel my way in. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out and ask them for a job. And this person was like, I am going to, it wasn't even her trying to get a job. She was just creating so much value for me. From a pure place. From a pure place. Your people were like, I'm going to come and create value. I'm going to have a servant's heart. I'm going to do this. And then it gets them into your ecosystem. In the same way, that's how I met Brendan. What I didn't reach out to him. I didn't ask him for anything, but I kept talking about how much I loved his wisdom and loved his books. I probably tagged him 50 times like, Everyone go buy High Performance Habits. I'm obsessed with this book, blah, blah, blah. And he finally heard about me because so many people were like, are you paying this girl (laughs) to keep talking about your work? And he was like, who is this crazy chick? (laughs) So it wasn't, that was how he met me, was like, I just kept adding, and I wasn't trying to get anything out of it. I just loved it. So I dig that idea, like show up, just volunteer your time. The, the other thing that I always remind people of is you do not have to know someone in real life to have them as a mentor. Big time. Like, Big time. I had so, still today, I have so many mentors. Beyonce mentors me on the daily. Have you watched Homecoming yet? I watched, yeah, I did. I did. Oh that was gosh. dope. The marching band and everything. Oh, why is she so perfect? I, I can't like, How do you not it. get tired doing no, all that? No, her level of excellence <laughs> just blows my mind. But so many people mentor me and have no idea who I am and it's just because I'm absorbing I'm reading their books I'm absorbing their wisdom I'm learning from them stop making excuses about you don't have the right connections you don't know the right people like there is no reason at the end of the day me and you there's no reason that you and I should have the jobs that we have that we should have the social that we should have it it's not because we have money it's not because we had connections it's not it's just because we wanted to serve a community 
And I think we were smart about how to then turn that into a business. I had zero connections. And, me, and, yeah. I mean, no, yes. I didn't have the, the person shop me out. Like I didn't have. Yeah. Well, and now I, I did a episode today about, um, about success and getting this place, but it's funny how all of a sudden I'm, I'm so grateful. This sounds ungrateful. I'm, I'm so grateful for the mentors that I have now, yeah. for the friends I have now, for the group of people who want to go to Puerto Rico and talk about business with me. But that only happened yeah. <laughs> after I became exactly. successful. Exactly. They Big only time. wanted to exactly. talk to me after I did the That's thing. Facts. Nobody like came and found like baby Trent nah, and was like, oh, Trent, let me help you, brother. <laughs> I believe in you. I want to just bring you around. No, 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 not at all. We had all of these millions of followers and then other people were like, okay. Yeah. It must be doing something right. <laughs> exactly. Let me get around it. Exactly. That's for sure. Totally. But you have the the books coming out. That's a yeah. big deal. And y'all like I, I get the opportunity to um, hang out with so many people and interview so many people for the podcast. But sincerely, and you will I mean, I'll say it all over social when the book comes out and we're going to support the crap out of it. Uh, but there are a few people that I love and respect in this space as much as I love and respect you. Thank and you. there is no one. Like literally, no one speaking today with your level of talent. I mean, except for me. Yeah, but right. we're but we're <laughs> but we're totally different styles. Exactly. So, um, but you you are exceptional at what you do. And this, for those of you who are listening, I, I don't I don't say this often. So when I'm saying it, it's a big deal. You need to go buy the book. You need to go buy the book. If you're listening to this, you need to go buy the book. And because it's a podcast, we have a huge community who loves an audiobook. And Trent narrates his oh book gosh. just like I yes. did. And it's hard. <laughs> it's super hard. But Trent has that same like fire coaching in your ear. Come on, do the thing. Like he's got that same thing I do. So you need to go grab it right now. Name of the book The Greatest You. The Greatest You. His name is Trent Shelton. If you're coming to Rise, you're going to see him. Um, I love you, and I'm so glad I got to talk to you today, and I'm so glad that they got to hear from you and maybe meet you for the first time. So thanks for thanks for hanging out. Well, I appreciate you for having me, always being real, and you and Dave are people that I consider friends, and yeah. I look up to you guys, yeah. seriously. So yeah. I appreciate you.